This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I have a friend of mine, Cody Wetmore from Bozeman, Montana. Cody is a fireman in Bozeman, and I met him last year uh, while I was with Jason Harrison, uh, Cody and Jack Anderson were guiding uh, Jason on his elk hunt uh, from Kuyu, Jason from Kuyu, and at uh, the Climbing Arrow Ranch uh, in, out of Bozeman, Montana, just a phenomenal place. And I met Cody there, and uh, Cody is a very accomplished hunter and young guy that's energetic and um, has a whole life of hunting in front of him, but he's already done a bunch of hunting. I wanted to talk to him this morning. So, Cody, how you doing? Doing well, Jay. How are you? Oh, doing just fine. I'm anxious to have you on the show this morning and excited and uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about your background, how you started hunting. Uh, yeah, so I I have actually grown up my whole life in, in Montana and lived in Bozeman and um, my family had a ranch uh, just outside of Bozeman and my dad wasn't a big hunter. He actually didn't hunt too much until after he had me, which was at the uh, age of 45. I was a little bit of a surprise, if you will. <laughs> and so he he began hunting then. And I remember just uh, when I was young, you know, just being so excited. I mem- remember just when he'd bring home a, an, like one of his first elk. It wasn't, you know, a raghorn or something, but just getting really excited about that. And, uh, and then it's as I grew up and I began, the, you know, to be, I guess, like eight or eight or nine years old, he would, uh, I'd hear him in the morning getting ready for hunting and he'd, he'd try and be so quiet because he didn't, you know, he wanted to go hunt. And I don't know if he really, was, I thought I was quite ready. And then uh, one day he finally said, yeah, let's go. And uh, it was, I was very little. And we went on a little walk up uh, on the ranch and we didn't see anything. We, we cut a big lion track and there was no deer, no elk, no nothing around. And he was kind of bummed out and on our way back there was a there was a you know a little five point bull stand sitting there and it was he was laying down right on the trail we were walking on I grabbed my dad I'm like dad look like there's a bull right there just a little guy and I I was just jacked I mean there's you know and my dad's like no it's just me and you I can't get this thing loaded I'm 50 years old or whatever and <laughs> uh and I looked at him with tears running down my face and I said, Dad, there's a bull. You got a gun. We're hunting. What, what are we doing here? And uh, <laughs> he kind of didn't have anything. And he he put the old crosshairs on it and, and killed that bull. And ever since then, I was just like, man, that was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I want to do that the rest of my life. And as I kind of just grew up on the ranch, you know, shooting gophers and um, coyotes and just like, that kind of stuff turned into to deer and elk, and then as my buddies got into it a little more, and um, I my right when I got into about oh, I was about ten. Um, I don't know Brendan Burns, good family friend of mine and very accomplished hunter, um, was a project manager for one of my dad's um, jobs, and it was he took me on some like a turkey hunt when I was just really little. I don't know how he put up with me, but just all these hunts, you know, being exposed to it over and over again, I just, I knew that that was, you know, what I wanted to focus a lot of my energy and time on as I grew up. And just, I think that's a good testimony for, for everybody listening. I mean, we've had so many stories on the podcast where, uh, you know, other people have spent their time and taken kids hunting and, and gotten the fire, you know, burning in their bellies for hunting. And it sounds like, you know, with your dad and with Brendan, uh, you know, doing the same thing, it just uh, opened the door for you to really experience hunting. And, and I want to encourage the listeners out there to take a kid hunting and fishing. And, and even if they are too young and you feel like it is kind of a pain in the rear end to take them, you know, that experience that they enjoy could set a fire in them and, and you know, get them to enjoy hunting and fishing for the rest of their life. So, um 
that's cool that they did that for you, Cody. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and it just yeah, it just grew from there to you know what it is today, and I can't wait to see what where it goes. Yeah, that's awesome, Cody. Uh, now you also guided a stint in um, Alaska. Is that true in the Brooks Range? Yeah, I, I was actually just kind of assistant guide and packed for uh yeah in the Brooks Range for for Rick French for a little bit, and that was yeah that was a great experience. That just definitely all these things just solidify that like how great you know this the outdoors are and and hunting and the places it'll take you. And on that, were you mainly doing doll sheep hunts or bear hunts, or what were you doing? We were after doll sheep and uh, primarily, and then grizzly bears if they uh, they presented themselves. And how long did you do that for one season, or how yeah, long did you? Yeah, I did it for one season, and then uh, I actually got hired on the fire department the following season. And being the the low guy on the totem pole, it was really kind of difficult to get um, time off. So that kind of put a damper on. Uh, on my Alaska because everybody on the fire department wanted to have that month of August off to go to the lake or go camping or what have you. So I was kind of stuck at work. Yeah. And you've been on the Bozeman fire department now for how long? I've been with Bozeman for just almost three years now. And then I, uh, yeah, I was up in Helena for two years before that. And being 24 years old, I mean, you jumped right in out of high school. You jumped right into, uh, firefighting how did you get your start in that uh did you do wildland uh first or did you tell me a little bit about that uh yeah so there was a volunteer fire department up uh where I grew up by the ranch actually and I just kind of like you know what a great way to you know help out my you know community was kind of one of the reasons and also it was like what what 18 year old kid doesn't want to mess with a big fire engine and lights and sirens <laughs> and it was cool you know and so I uh, I started in that and started doing it and I'm like you know this is this is a really cool thing and as it grew I just like the uh, I just saw the opportunity to make that a career and um, and the you know the camaraderie with the guys and and how awesome you know I had some buddies that did it full time and I just thought wow that'd be a great way to you know make a living and stay in Bozeman which is a relatively difficult town to staying it's a pretty pretty expensive to live here and uh not a lot of you know jobs and stuff like that so I was you know I knew if I could pull this off it'd be pretty pretty good way to keep doing what I'm doing and uh yeah I just went to college for uh for four years and um ended up graduating and got hired that fall awesome great for that's a Awesome that you're a firefighter and giving back to the community and an awesome opportunity to have a job where you can uh, take some time off also and and do the things you love like hunting and fishing. And um, you, you're quite an accomplished hunter. Uh, you have eight Montana bulls to your credit, 12 Montana bucks, 10 Montana antelope, two uh, Montana bears, and, and a mountain lion. Um, out of those, what would you say is your favorite to hunt? Oh, by far, bulls. And yeah. that goes back to to Burns and Brendan Burns, man. The guy is a an elk machine, and that has definitely rubbed off on me through the years. Yeah, and and so do you primarily like archery elk hunting, right? Absolutely, yeah. Bugling bulls are probably the coolest thing in the world. And what? How old were you when you shot your first bull with your bow? I was fourteen years old. Were you by yourself when you shot it, or tell me I, tell me the story? I was. We had a resident herd on the ranch um, that they used to go just, they'd come down to our alfalfa fields every night and go back up, and I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was shooting 45 pounds out of some Martin or some bow I had then, I don't remember. But they would come down this trail every night and go back up, and I, I saved up some money, and I bought a, one of those ground blinds out of Cabela's catalog and like a tent and I <laughs> I went in one day I went up and I put it next to the trail you know like 20 yards off the trail thinking oh we'll see what happens and uh this other uh neighbor of ours he was he had sat in it the night before and shot a bull and I'm like well obviously it works so I went over and uh that night I sat in it and sure enough here came the 300 head of elk down to our pivot and they walked right by me and I 
you know, at that time, I'm like, I'm shooting the first bull that walks in front of me, and it was just a small um, little five-point raghorn, you know. But 14, I'm like, I let the I let the carbon fly, and the thing ran about 50 yards and tipped over, and I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, that is by far the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. That's awesome. And then uh, you've, you've shot quite a few bulls since then. Um, what was your next hunt after that, and, and did, was it – did you hunt at the ranch or did you get a little more wilderness experience or what did you do? Um, I, I, yeah, I ended up, I hunted at the ranch a bit, but, uh, I killed a couple bulls like that. Just, you know, patterning them, putting, you know, watching them, what they do and, and doing that. And then, and I don't want to say it got boring cause it's, it's always a rush, but I wanted to try, you know, some different stuff. And, um, I had hunted with Brendan and he had kind of, you know, told me, you know, just, camp on them and they're bedding or just just don't leave them and so I, I ended up following the elk you know the next or two seasons later I followed the elk up um and I was up way up in their bedding area and hanging out and camped on a bit, uh, kind of a club horn bull for uh, all day and uh I remember him saying like if you can get within 50 yards of a cow and he's the herd bull, you're going to kill him. He's going to come check those cows. And I just kept remembering that, and I'm laying there, and it's like 85 degrees. I was just cooking. And I got within this really close to this cow, and I sat there and sat there and sat there, and pretty soon he came bugling over it, you know, a few hours later, and I killed that bull. And I'm that's when it really hit me that, like, you know, these, these elk are killable, not just on, you know, waiting on their highway, but to, like, get in there, get intimate with the, the animals and really – you know, focus on one big bull and, and kill it. And it was, yeah, that was, it kind of was an eye opener for me. And then, you know, um, last year when we were with Jason and, and I was following you guys around shooting a little video and some photos here and there, um, we just had an awesome time. It was, uh, it's an amazing place. And obviously Jason is a, a great guy and great hunter. And, and, uh, those bulls were going crazy, weren't they? Oh yeah. It was nonstop. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and um you're going to be up on the ranch this year also guiding i am yeah i'll be up there um i've actually got a, a goat tag in utah and then i will be there as soon as i get done with that no kidding um what goat tag do you have um i end up winning the raffle at the western hunting conservation expo for the willard peak early season goat tag when does that start september 7th Oh, that's awesome. Um, and how long of a hunt is that? Uh, I believe it's the 7th through the 22nd of September. So that's going to cut into your elk hunting a little bit. Yeah, Montana elk season opens, I think, the 5th or 6th, so it's going to be tight. So is your plan to go down and hunt right away um, or hunt elk and then go down and hunt goats? Well, yeah, I've got an obligation on the, on the CA ranch there um, for a hunt. I kind of got my way. I I told uh told him maybe if I could sneak away a few days of the first of Jason's hunt if I haven't killed a goat yet then they were okay with that but I definitely have to be back I believe the 18th to uh, guide um, a couple guys so awesome. I've got to use my time wisely but I'm hoping to get one killed find you know put some time in find a good one get one killed and then get home and uh, get up there to be with Jason again this year. Uh, the the goat hunt that you're going to be going on, have you um, gotten some good intel or have you been down there scouting or, or gathered any information yet or what's the story? I have and actually it's pretty amazing. Like I didn't even know I, I drew the tag and uh, a friend of mine, Brady Miller, wrote on my Facebook and he said, hey, go. I, he said, I'd, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but you need to go check the the uh, draw results for the Utah for that game expo. And I'm like, okay, you know, this, so I ended up getting that. That piqued your interest, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got, I got up at like five in the morning. I like rolled over in bed and saw that and I'm like, holy cow. And so I, I went on and I saw it and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Well, it, you know, he had put it on my Facebook. So it was pretty public knowledge that I got this tag. And, uh, so all of a sudden these messages started rolling in and all these people are like, Hey, I live right there. I look at these goats every day. Hey, I, you know, I had that tag two years ago and, you know, on and on and on just flooded with information. And I actually was talking to one of my clients from the CA 
who lives in Utah and he's like, Oh, my, my brother had that tag two years ago, you know, and we're going to be up there hiking and I'm, I'll find, you know, I'll, we'll help find you a goat. And yeah, even now, like however many months later after the draw, I'm still getting messages that are like, Hey, I found a, a big billy up there, you know? And so I'm really going to try and get down there um, this summer a bit and do some scouting. I haven't been down yet. Um, one of my good buddies, Pete Munich with the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance is going down, um, I think maybe this weekend and I have to work so I can't go, but he's gonna, they're actually doing a goat survey on the unit. So I should get some pretty good intel from him. And then just also a lot of the intel I've got, I have a pretty good place to start and then just start picking it apart like anything else and see what I can turn up. Awesome. And then is Willard Peak one of their better units in Utah? I believe so. I think Beaver's right up there. But, yeah, I, from my understanding, Willard Peak's got some phenomenal goats on it. So, And it's an archery tag? It's a any weapon tag, but I'd love to – I'm going to give it a good college try with a bow for sure. What bow are you shooting, Cody? I'm shooting the Hoyt Carbon Spider. Nice. Um, will you change your setup at all for the goat hunt or for the elk or – since it's so close to elk season, uh, well, you'll just take your elk setup. Yeah, I actually, I think I'm just gonna take my uh, take my bow the way it's set up right now. Um, it's been shooting awesome, and I uh, I hunt some elk up here and some pretty nasty stuff, and it it does pretty well. I like how it shoots. I like the way I've got it set up right now. So I think I'm just gonna run it like that um, on the go, then just slide right into elk when I get home. Yeah. What, um, how many pounds are you shooting and what broadhead and what arrows are you shooting? I, I went against Brendan's advice and I actually, sh I'm shooting an 80 pound Hoyt right now, which <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to last. My shoulders don't like it, but, um, I think I'm going to shoot that this season. Brendan kind of wants me to get a 70 pounder just because I, I think I would shoot it better, um, but I'm shooting just an 80-pound Hoyt Carbon Spider 30. I'm not a big guy. I'm only 5'9", so I like that shorter axle to axle. And then uh, I'm shooting the injection arrows and uh, the Ulmer edges. I stocked up because it's my understanding that Dan Evans is not making those anymore. And so I, uh, I've been, even last year, I shot, I shot the same exact setup, and I was just dumbfounded. Those injection arrows with the they're a little bit smaller diameter than the axis and just the amount of penetration you get, you know, shooting side by side and into a block target with your buddies. And I think I have the shortest draw length at 27 inches as opposed to any of them, but my arrows are going in just as far, if not deeper, and shooting those injection arrows, which has really been impressive to me. Guys, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Guys, I want to thank GoHunt.com insider for being the title sponsor of this podcast and i wanted to let you know that when you sign up for the insider you can get a 50 dollar kuyu gift card all you have to do to get the kuyu gift certificate is go to www.gohunt.com forward slash insider click on the blue join now button and use the promo code jscott at checkout and they will send you electronically a gift card $50 to use at Kuyu. I wanted to give you guys a chance to hear Dave Losher, the head of the Go Hunt Insider, as he's talking about the state profile section of the Go Hunt Insider. Let's hear from Dave now. Our state profiles have all the information you're going to need to have a better understanding of the cost and the species and all the important dates that are associated with that state as you apply in the West. And within this state profile in the upper right-hand corner, you can expand the map right here. And once you expand that map, you can see all the different boundary lines, and you can hover right over those units. And, and by clicking it, you'll go straight to that unit profile, which we already talked about. And then you can click that same button and go right back to that, that state profile. And then you're going to show the species icon, so you can see every big game species that's offered within that state. And as you go down, we're going to show all the valuable information, the license cost, the, the tag cost, within that state on a resident and non-resident basis, as well as the important dates, the draw schedule, the draw deadlines, when are results going to be available, when can you possibly, you know, amend your application or make corrections if that's offered within that state. And then, uh, you know, quick rules, talking about the minimum age to hunt, you know, hunter orange required, 
you have to wear hunter orange in the field. Also within the state profile, we talk about if there is a landowner tag system that's in place. And then we also give you the information about the tag lottery and exactly how the draw system works. Do they accept credit cards? You know, can you withdraw your application? party applications, how many hunters can be on that. Good information that you really need to know. Again, it's a quick reference to improve your odds, to increase your odds. You're going to have to be applying in all the different states, and this is a great resource for you, the user, to be able to, to gain an understanding of each state and get the information you need. And the goat hunt, is it your expectation that those goats will be um, all above timberline, or do they filter down into the timber at all? You know, doing some research and talking to people, it sounds like they there's kind of some meadows and timber that these goats frequent, and they, they're they kind of, you know, spread up throughout, and it's a pretty big, I mean, not a huge unit, but it's big. It's like Ben Lamont Peak, uh, Willard Peak, and then it keeps going um, north of that a little bit, and it seems like, you know, you kind of have goats everywhere, like, like anything. You kind of get some down in the timber, and then you have some way up high. Um, and so, I, I mean, until I get down there and start picking it apart, I'm not totally sure. But from my research and looking at pictures and video on YouTube and using my resources, it seems like they're pretty, you know, down in the timber and um, fairly huntable with a bow. Awesome. Now, I know you went on a pretty epic goat hunt, uh, you know, in the last couple of years with your uh, buddy Matt, uh, tell me a little bit about that hunt and kind of the adventure that you guys had on that. Yeah, that was a wild deal. That was, yeah, it was last, last, uh, fall right before elk season. Um, yeah, we, we'd both been putting in for tags, but being 24, you know, I don't have a ton of points and neither did he. Now this is in Montana, Yeah, this is Montana. And I remember he was working and he lived in Billings at the time, which is just about an hour and a half from Bozeman and uh I I texted him and I said hey do you did you check your stuff I mean he only had like he'd been playing um college baseball so he'd in uh Seattle and um Oregon and so he'd been you know not in Montana for a while and so he hadn't really put in and he only had a few points but I'm like no I didn't draw anything so I texted him I'm like hey do you draw anything he's like I don't even I haven't even checked and then he was at work five minutes later. He calls me. He's like, Hey, you want to go on a goat hunt? I was like, you got to be <laughs> kidding me right now. And, uh, you know, I'd done the deer and the elk and the antelope and lions and all that bears and stuff in Montana, but I'd never done really a goat hunt. I've heard about them. I've talked to buddies that have, but I'd never done one myself. And I, uh, yeah, we got, we got pretty fired up and it was in, uh, it was a pretty, you know, well, the units, the highest goat, you know, go tags given out in the state, but it's still, it's got the most people that put in for it and the odds are almost identical to any other unit. And so we were a little, you know, it was super excited. And then kind of the work began on figuring out how we we're going to do this. And, um, just looking at maps and figuring stuff out. Finally, we had a pretty good plan of where we were going to go. And, um, Matt had gone up one side of the mountain range. Um, and I had gone up, you know, the other side and Matt, Matt had found a few goats. He went up there. He actually got married in, uh, the end of July. And so him and his now new wife had gone up there and camped and spent a little time together after they got married and had found three really nice billies. And, uh, I just got bored one weekend and I'm like, I'm going to go for a hike. And I packed up my stuff and Brennan and I threw a, a Kuyu pack together and it was, I was sitting right at about 22 pounds and I went um 26 miles in two days and did this big scouting mission up there did a giant loop through the entire mountain range and I found 52 billies altogether or 52 wow. 52 goats and there was like 30 I found like 30 uh, some odd billies and they're just piles of them and <coughs> excuse me one billy had really stuck out in my head and but he was way in the middle I mean there's no easy way to get there you got to go no matter if you come in from the west or come in from the east side of the mountain range, it's like dead center in the middle, and it's going to be a hoof either way. And like how how far in roughly? Um, I think one way it was about sixteen miles. Goodness. So, yeah, it was not a not an easy deal. And so we, I mean, we got. I knew he was there. I mean, he wasn't going anywhere. I saw him. I camped out. You know, I saw him at night, and then woke up in the morning, and he was there. And uh, so I'd hiked out and I called Comer and I 
had dropped a couple pins on my GPS and I told him like I found this big billy and so you know we we kind of had a plan in mind on how we were going to do that um but being so far in we're like well let's see if we can find something you know like that on the way in and so opening day we went in that morning I got off the fire department at 7 a.m and we loaded up our stuff and went went for it and it was myself and and Matt, and then another buddy of us, of ours, Chris Lashinsky, and we uh, we hiked in, and I had my, I had, Matt had his rifle on his back, and Chris was carrying Matt's bow, and then I had a, the optics, and so we were kind of set up for, we're going to try and see if we can't do this with a bow, but we're not going out, we're not going 16 miles in to not come out with a goat kind of mentality on that, and so we had the rifle with us, and on our way in, we actually found a really nice billy, I'd say comparable to the one um, I had seen prior, and it was bedded in the timber. And we went to put a stock on it and with Matt's bow, because it was in a great killable spot with a bow. And uh, as we got up on this billy, we, uh, we had dropped our packs, and we were about ready to slide in and make something happen. And I kind of looked behind me, and there's these guys kind of above us with blaze orange on and a rifle and they're like hoofing it it's like this rat race to this billy well we've got a bow and they're you know <coughs> almost within rifle range and i'm like waving at them and i'm you know holding up the bow like let us try and get a shot with the bow i mean this is a great opportunity and they were not having it and next <laughs> thing we know boom they shoot and they hit it high like up in the hump and the guys are super out of shape and the billy takes off and they can't keep up with it. And it just goes and goes and goes. And yeah, they never got it. They gave up and walked down and I'm like kind of down in the dumps, almost like what a waste, you know, not just that they wounded the animal, but that that was a perfectly opportunity for a bow. And, you know, it just came and went so fast. It was just, you know, not the way I wanted to start the hunt. Yeah. And we kept on going, you know, and we hunted that, that drainage for a while um that whole the rest of that day and then the next morning and we got on a lot of you know plenty of nannies and lesser billies were available matt and chris hiked up out chased us one billy up the mountains and got themselves really cliffed out and kind of gnarly and just wasn't worth it we saw there was five other goat camps in this one little drainage you know guys on horses and, and everything and just like man this is not what i had in mind for a goat hunt like this is not how i wanted to you know, had pictured this going down, guys chasing, you know, racing each other to a decent billy as he comes off the cliffs to feed in the evening is not, it just didn't do it for me. And so we made the decision that night, we're going to, you know, we were only about nine miles in there. We made the executive decision. We we're going to punch through and, and go over the top of this drainage and go back to where I had seen that one in the middle. And so we packed our stuff up and we headed in and, um, you know, the you get to the top of this thing, this, this trail where it drops off the other side, and it's, like, way down to the bottom, and, like, the horse tracks stop, the people tracks stop, like, everybody goes to the top there, and they're, like... The point yeah. of no return. Yeah, they're, like, I don't think so, and, you know, us being 24-year-old kids, we're, like, screw it, so we dropped we dropped off the other side, and um, about halfway down the other side, we looked across Canyon, and sure enough, there was that Billy I'd found uh, a few weeks before. And I'm like, that, that's that got to be the one. I mean, his body was double anything else. I mean, just a tank. And I'm like, let's let's go get him. So he ran down to the, we ran down to the bottom, which took a while and was a little gnarly and dropped our stuff and kind of went up and around and flanked this hill and came over the top. And there was goats everywhere. It was like goat paradise. I had no idea. We were, there was like 15 nannies and kids feeding below us. And this big Billy was kind of making his way above us and, um, he was like 300 yards, and I'm like, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get a shot with a bow or not. That's a really big billy comer. I'd shoot him, and so he laid down and made a perfect, you know, beautiful shot, 450 yards. And I was blown. He's shooting a 300 wind mag, and that, that goat, I mean, I've always heard people say they're tough. That thing just humped up and took it and didn't even flinch. And I was watching blood run down. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Like, that has to be the toughest animal I've ever seen, and it, he kept walking and he ended up, he rolled about three times and got hung up. You know, if he would have died right where Comer shot him, he would have been perfect. But he walked about 10 yards farther and the only thing that saved him was one little 
pine tree that was on this cliff and he was wrapped around that and um yeah so that was right almost at dark on that second day and we made our way over to him through the scree fields and we had to go drop way down around this glacier because we didn't have crampons or anything we were a little you know we didn't really expect that and as you know we got over to him and we got him tied up and you know we're like let's just you know field dress him real quick and and uh, then we'll go back and set our camp up and we'll just deal with this in the morning because it was pretty cold we were way up there and so yeah the next morning we went and got some good pictures and skinned them out, boned them out. And we were back out. We did 16 miles that, you know, after we boned them out and packed our packs, we hiked all the way back to the truck. So 16 miles in one day and uh, Goodness. got back home. And yeah, what a gosh, just another one of those hunts that just, I don't know, you learn so much from it. And it's just like, once you're done with it, you're like, I can't believe that just happened. That was so <laughs> awesome. And oh, how we're thankful to be 24. Yeah, no kidding. I, I even was sore the next day, and that's yeah. Yeah, oh, man, that's awesome. What what gear did you guys wear as far as clothing and packs, and what were you using on that hunt? Uh, we were all of us. All of us are huge believers in the Kuyu gear. Um, I started started with it when I was, you know, in Alaska when it first came out. I remember getting prototype stuff from Brendan, and you know, just to try and and. Uh, ever since then I've just been it's a huge believer and I you know my friends ask me you know what do you like and I tell them you know try this and I have a bunch of it and, I, and I'm like here wear this coat tonight and see what you think and, oh my gosh everyone just oh this is the best stuff and so yeah we were all queued up um head to toe you know I was running the merino base layer um which I like hot or cold it's not kind of nice um and then I actually used that uh the Chinook gear on that hunt, which the knee pads were a saving grace in those rocks and um, became a huge believer in that stuff. Uh, I think Matt was wearing just a, a set of attack pants and a guide jacket, the same with Chris, which is a foolproof way, you know, great, great setup. And uh, I'd used the, borrowed the tent from Brendan. He told me to take his two-man Kuyu tent and that proved to be awesome. Once you figured out how to set it up, I didn't really have, I didn't practice or anything. I grabbed it from him that morning and just that, that night was setting it up in the dark and, um, which was a little bit of a challenge, but once I got the, the method down on how to do it, that tent is rock solid and, um, yeah, it, it served my purpose really well and it worked, worked awesome on that hunt. Which pack did you have carrying, uh, that Billy out? Um, we were all, Chris was in the Icon, um, 7200 the Icon Pro, uh, and Matt and I are both in Ultra 6000s, Kuyu packs. And you guys split up the meat and all the gear and stuff and just walked out that day, yeah, that night? Yeah, we had all our gear. Um, we split the meat three. Well, Chris and I split the meat, and Matt carried the hide and the head and uh, awesome. carried it out. Yeah, it wasn't light at all. It was really heavy. How, <laughs> how long was that, Billy? Um, I think he, Matt said he was nine nine inches right at nine inches nice. eight and a half something like that i actually don't know the exact score on him but he's a you know montana i mean that unit anyways is not exact known for huge goats but i want to say he's a you know high high 40s um solid goat bigger biggest goat i saw in the unit and biggest goat i've seen come out of that unit in a long time super old 12 and a half years old just a really old dude with some killer growth rings and huge scent glands we actually named the billy steven glansberg because he just got this <laughs> huge scent like my comer was like is it is it a good one and i looked and i'm like i couldn't even see any white hair between the scent glands i'm like i did that thing either has huge bases or something's going on but yeah just kill it it's it's big so. awesome that sounds like a great adventure um uh i want to talk to you a little bit about uh your buck hunting you've shot 12 bucks in montana and um, are, are a lot of those archery or rifle or, or, um, which season do you like the best? And, um, do you get a deer tag every year or is it a draw or how does it work? Uh, I think Montana, I mean, they, they're not known for the mule deer thing, in my opinion. I mean, compared to where you're at in Arizona or, or Utah or Colorado, I mean, even Wyoming and Idaho, Montana is just, uh, it's the only state in that I know of where you can just hunt mule deer with an over-the-counter tag and there's no you could shoot a fork horn or whatever you want in the rut 
Um, and I think it's kind of taken a toll on some of the bigger bucks. I mean, I, you see big mule deer every now and then, but it's just not, it's not what it could be with, you know, the management, but it's a super hunter friendly state. So everyone's going to get some meat for the table. So, you know, you can't really fault them, but as far as trophies, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. There's a few good units that I put in for, um, I actually drew a tag last year and, uh, I wish I had taken a little more time and, and held out for a little bigger buck, but it was fun. And it was, I'd, I'd killed an early season mule deer a few years ago and then I did it again. And <clears throat> it's pretty fun patterning those big, those big mule deer, um, bucks when they're in velvet and all summer when they're all bachelored up together it's it's pretty cool and i've killed a couple of mule deer like that uh one on the ranch we used to have a pretty good bachelor herd on the ranch and you had to kill them the first week of our season here or they'd split up and go their separate ways and you'd never find them again um but for the most part we had some river bottoms on the ranch and i'd hunt uh i hunted a lot of whitetails out of tree stands actually which was i i don't know there's something about being in a tree stand or a ground blind or something where they don't have a clue you're there, which is kind of cool to me. Um, just watching them interact and do their thing and killing those early season whitetails. They're really pretty when they're, you know, they, they don't have a big swollen neck and they're just, they got the long guard hairs and they're, yeah, it's just, it's pretty cool, you know, and it, it was something to do, you know, when I get frustrated on the elk, um, if you have a good deer spot up here, like, you know, I got a few good whitetail spots now and, um, a few decent mule deer spots that are super high, but when you get frustrated on the elk, like I do, I always get frustrated when things don't go my way. It's a nice change of scenery, change of pace to kind of get your head right. And, you know, you're always going to see a bunch of deer come under your tree stand or if you're hunting white tails, or you're always going to see, you know, find that bachelor group of bucks. And, uh, I use it just kind of to decompress when the elk thing's not going my way. Yeah. That uh, makes uh, for a great change. I'm sure. Um, I know recently you were just in Hawaii um, doing some fishing and, and doing some Spanish goat hunting. Um, how was the fishing this year uh, compared to other years? Uh, the fishing was good this year. I didn't I didn't actually fish quite as much as I was uh, as I have in years past. I took my girlfriend there actually, so I was doing a lot more you know hanging out with her and stuff rather than my hardcore fishing stuff. My dad actually has a, a boat there and they commercial fish off of it. So that's kind of what I've done in years past. And, um, but this year I, I ended up taking her out and we, uh, we had a good day. We caught a, quite a few big, um, they're called Onos and a big my, my, uh, my dad. And I, and I only went the, the one day this year, my dad went out qu- quite a few more times and they were chasing big tunas and stuff and were very successful. The, the tuna run was, is going strong right now and it was good then. So, I think everyone's pretty stoked about that. Um, but yeah, I didn't, you know, I fished, I fished that one day and we had a good day, filled the fish box, plenty of fish. Uh, she, she thought it was pretty cool. I don't think she'd done anything like that before. So, uh, it definitely was different for her, you know, seeing how far out do you go? Um, I guess it depends on what you're fishing for, but main, mainly, I mean, how far out do you go? So yeah, we were fishing for Onos and, uh, and my is, you know, in kind of close 40 fathoms is the ledge that we usually run for those. And that's, you know, only out maybe a mile, mile and a half, um, which those, those fish are good and stuff. But a lot of the, the big, the big fish that everyone chases, there, the Holy Grail or the big yellowfin tuna, the ahi. And they're usually out quite a bit farther. They, I mean, they catch them in close every now and then, but majority of them are out, you know, 10 miles, thousand fathoms deep. And, that's kind of the big, that's the, the stone sheep of the Hawaiian ocean for sure is catching those, um, those big ahis. And it is a rush, man. It's, it's an hour of just hand to hand combat. It's like a, it's like you're in a fight with the fish, you know, and it just <laughs> kicks your butt and the ocean's rough and, um, the fish are big and, you know, getting them in half of it and then getting them into the boat and trying to deal with a 200 pound tuna that's going ape is, uh, a whole nother story so it's it's an absolute <laughs> rush and is that when the club comes out the club comes out yeah it's <laughs> kind of haywire you hit a wave wrong and it ends up on top of you it's it's a total cluster but it is yeah it's very memorable and i highly recommend anyone who wants to you know go chase tuna in hawaii that is a great place to do so and it's absolutely doable if you go you know right about now first part of june those tunas are running and 
and uh, a lot of guys catch them, and it is definitely one to cross off the bucket list because it's phenomenal. Awesome. And and this year you hunted some Spanish goats. I know you've hunted them there in the past, I believe. Yeah, I did. I did hunt, and I, and I was on the island of Kauai. Um, it's fairly hunter-friendly. Um, you buy a license. They've got some funky rules where you've got a you can only hunt on the weekends, um, which is kind of weird. So you get like Saturday, Sunday, but um, it's it was awesome. I mean, there you're, we're into goats the whole time. There's goats everywhere. Billies, nannies, just archery or rifle. All, all I was hunting all archery, and it's absolutely doable with uh, with archery. There's it's their goats are everywhere, and they're easy to get on. Um, I had some some malfunctions this year. I don't know. I haven't really dug into it a lot, but I took my bow and I totally had a brain fart and I didn't, I shot it before I left and I got there and I didn't shoot it again. And I'm like, last year when I went, I shot it again and it was shooting like two inches low when I got there. I didn't even think about it this year. And, uh, I ended up getting a shot at, you know, a couple shots. I had this really nice Billy I was after and shot and missed and hit him. I kept hitting low. And so finally I slid my slider on my side a little bit and shot and I, I hit him. Um, but it was, I don't know if it's the humidity or the altitude coming from Montana to there or something, but I don't know. It's consistent two years in a row. I've been shooting low. And so I, I'm going to do some research and try and figure that out because it would have made for a lot better hunt and a lot, a lot less, uh, carbon in the rocks if I had figured out, <laughs> you know, what, what was going on there. Now, when you hunt that, can you only shoot billies or can you shoot both? You can, billies yeah. And it's, so it's like kind of like a depredation thing. There's just a ton of them. And so, um, you can shoot anything you want. It's two per day, um, Saturday and Sunday. So if you went hog wild, you could shoot four in a weekend. Um, <laughs> but it's super fun and it's, you know, it was a nice way to, you know, like I said, I took a vacation with my girlfriend and snuck away for a day, got on a billy. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, if you just do some research and figure out there's like three or four spots that are easily, you know, you can get to, I mean, it's a bit of a hike and they're like, they're like the goats up in Montana here. I mean, they live in some nasty stuff, but if you're willing to get in there, you could, you're definitely going to get into goats. You can hear them. They make the little, you know, goat noise and you can get right up on them. And it's a, it's a great way to, to, you know, lighten up the vacation and do something, you know, Okay, well, you're going to, you have to forgive me for this, but this one's teed up too high. I'm going to have to go ahead and hit this one out of the park. <laughs> uh, tell the story about the, uh, uh, when you called Brendan on the phone about shooting a goat in Hawaii, oh. I believe. So I didn't know, I didn't know the difference between a Billy and a nanny and these Spanish goat. I had done no research. I showed up, uh, a family friend was like, yeah, let's go. And so we slide in on this goat and there's like five goats <laughs> together. And I'm like, holy cow, that one's got like decent horns. You know I mean? I'm coming from Montana where the billies and nannies look almost identical. So I smoke it and I, uh, and I, first thing I do is I run up and I take a picture of it and I send it to Brendan because I had cell service and he, <laughs> and he calls me on the phone and I answer the phone. He's like, what's up nanny hammer. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, dude. It's a nanny. He's like, that's cool. So now it's stuck. Everyone calls me Nanny Hammer. I'm like, oh, great. You know, one thing and you get branded. So now I don't mind. Yeah. It was awesome. And um, Before I even met you, Brendan's like, yeah, you'll go up there and you'll meet Jack. And he said, then you'll meet Cody and he's the Nanny Hammer. And I'm like, what's the Nanny Hammer? And he goes, well, just ask him when you get there. Oh, God. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. He's, he's, Leave it to Burns to be, oh. what's up, Nanny Hammer? Yeah, full of one-liners. I just had him, he was just over for dinner a couple nights ago, and I was in stitches the whole time, just rolling on the floor. It just never ends, so. Yeah, he's something. Awesome time. He's something. Uh, okay, so upcoming hunts, you've got your goat hunt. What else do you have um on the horizon coming up i've got the goat hunt <clears throat> yep and then hopefully get back and home with jason for a little bit and uh, help him kill another monster like we did last year and then after that i've got the the two guys from utah and one of them um i'll guide one of those guys on the ca and that that wraps up i think the 22nd and then i'll probably work uh once one shift and then uh, I've turned up a really good spot last year um, towards the end of the season after after you guys left last year I'd turned up this spot that I kind of just 
picked a spot on the map that looked like it'd be good and, and went there and it was phenomenal. I was into bulls the whole time. And so I'm really hoping that, uh, that, that has the same things going for it again this year. So I'll probably head straight up there and try to kill myself an elk. Um, I've got a late season deer hunt kind of set up with, uh, my buddy, Matt, he's got a, a pretty good mule deer area that he's turned up. And so we're probably going to go try and hunt some elk together and then go do the deer thing later in the season. And, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's kind of it. I was going to do some, uh, some sheep stuff earlier, you know, in, in early September, but since this goat thing came along and, uh, I've just, you know, I want to focus on that. It's a, whatever the once in a lifetime Utah tag. So I really want to treat it as such and put my time in and see what I can do. Absolutely. Well, I wish you the best of success on that. And, uh, I want to finish uh, talking about Jason's hunt on the CA last year and, um, uh, you know, that bull that he killed, uh, you know, a 371 bull. I mean, Montana, they kill some great bulls, but definitely that's that's towards the upper end of, of bulls there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hear of a few, you know, like that every year, but it's not it's not as common as any anywhere else. Yeah, and after we left, um, you had a hunt with two two other guys and and killed a couple more great bulls. Um, when do those bulls finally start winding down? You know, it's weird. I mean, even into rifle season, they'll sometimes be cranked up. It's just I I wish I knew why they do it and what triggers it. But um, we'll have bulls bugling up there, uh, you know, into almost into November, like definitely late October. They're still Every now and then you'll hear a, a screamer. So it's just, I don't, I'm not totally sure like why or what, but uh, it seems like they'll shut down for a while and all of a sudden they'll fire up. So I think maybe a cow comes in the heat or something and they tee off, you know, late. But, well, and I think, I think there with so many elk, uh, like you said, I mean, it takes, you know, one cow comes into estrus and they're all gathered up anyway and bunched up. It just gets them all frenzied up and it's just one continuous rut. I mean, I just remember the bugling being, you know, coming from Arizona, which is about as good as it gets. And then hearing the bugling there, it was, you know, I was just smiling thinking, you know, it's nice to know there are other places that, that have bugling like that. And, you know, it's just a constant symphony of bulls bugling in the background. is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, when you can't even have a conversation, like we were trying to talk a few times, you know, you and I <laughs> can't even... I'm like, what? I can't hear you. Yeah, the what? bulls are yeah. bugling. I can't hear you. what you're saying. So, yeah, no, it's it's an awesome place. I actually had the opportunity to take my dad up there. They had a cancellation the last week of rifle season, and so I went up and um, hunted the the CA with him, and uh, we ended up killing a, a big bull, like 365 and 3.8, um, the last week of the season, and it was a totally different experience, which was kind of cool because I'd never seen it like that. So that's pretty fun. Well, awesome. Well, it's been great having you on this morning. And uh, yeah, like I said, I wish you the best of success. I want to see some pictures of your goat that you kill in Utah and um, hopefully you get them with a bow. But if not, uh, I know you've got a short window, so you'll get one with the rifle and um, we'll have to chat afterwards. And uh, yeah, it's just a pleasure having you on and, and I wish you the best of success with all your hunts this year and and um have you done any fishing has your dad been out fishing or is it still muddy right it's, now it's a little muddy yet um he went out uh right before it got muddy a couple of weeks ago and fished uh, the upper madison um and it was he said one of the best days he's ever had just it was uh it was awesome just fishing that they're actually a pretty good little caddis hatch which is weird but they uh yeah he had one of his best days so it's coming. I think it's going to be a good year. It's we've already had you know nice weather. I think it'll be a normal runoff, and we'll be able to start fishing the rivers here in another couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah, here in Colorado, where uh, the Roaring Fork is sky high and muddy and and racing, but it won't be long here when things will be clearing up and green drakes will be coming and it'll be good fishing. Oh, so yeah, I'm looking six. looking forward to it. Yeah, exciting times. Well, you take care, buddy, and okay. thanks for being on this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay, and good luck to you this fall as well. Look forward to hearing about it. All right, buddy, sounds good. All right, thanks. Take care. Yep. Well, guys, that was a great episode with Cody out of Montana, and I'm excited to see how he does this year on his goat hunt in Utah. 
and uh, he's a real up-and-comer in the hunting industry and just a super nice guy and a very talented young guy, a very talented hunter, and it was great to hear from him. Uh, guys, I want to thank you guys uh, for listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you for all your support. Uh, I get questions and emails every day, comments on my email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, great reviews on iTunes and comments and five-star ratings and uh, just overwhelming support. I want to thank you guys for that. I also want to thank our sponsors, our title sponsor, GoHunt.com. Uh, insider um, for all that they do with this podcast and um, remember to use the promo code jscott when signing up for the insider you'll receive a $50 kuyu gift card i uh, also want to thank deadeye outfitters uh, deadeyeoutfitters.com is a lifestyle hunting apparel company for hunters by hunters uh, if you check out episode 45 of this podcast it's with one of the owners uh, nikolai cavilia and you'll see what I mean. Uh, Dead Eye Outfitters makes quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. Uh, use the J. Scott promo code and receive a 10% discount on all purchases at DeadEyeOutfitters.com. I have received so many Facebook messages, Instagram messages, and uh, emails from guys saying that they're uh, really liking taking advantage of the 10% off at uh, DeadEyeOutfitters.com. So, uh, check them out, and uh, guys, uh, thanks for the continued support, and the summer keeps rolling on here, and we're going to be hunting here uh, pretty darn soon. So um, until next time, guys, God bless you, and we'll uh, see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card when signing up for the GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more, go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.